Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Yeah, God, we want to declare that you are greater than any struggle that we're wrestling with today. You're greater than any financial burden. You're greater than any obstacle and decision that we need to make. You're the healer over all disease, over all sickness. You are the one who wants to restore and make all things new. You are stronger than our weakness. You are stronger than our frustrations. You are the one who wants to draw us and there is nothing that when we are in your will and your purposes that can stand against us. We know we do face challenges. We, do know, we know we do face obstacles, but they are there so that your glory might be made known and that we'd be refined further into your likeness. So Father, may we know that you are stronger. May we know that you are greater. And may we continue to walk in the declaration of that promise according to your glory out of your great love in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're getting to the uh, business end of uh, the footy season. I haven't even mentioned. Haven't even mentioned anything. And I want to say that regardless of where you finish on the ladder, however well you do, however badly you do, there is a process that most teams, every team will undergo. Most teams, every team, if they want to get better, if they want to succeed, if they want to chase that ultimate prize, the glory of that one day in September, the glory, unless you have a draw, um, the, the glory of uh, winning the premiership, taking out the title of the number one team for the year, every single team will undergo a process of review, investigation, uh, tinkering with their structures, uh, management and refining things. Every team has one thing in mind. Even the bottom team, Carlton, or is it Gold Coast Suns? I don't care, either one, suffer. Um, So in all the Christian love and compassion that I can muster, I'm deeply sorry for your loss. Um, I, I imagine it must be really hard for the bottom teams to keep going. And I don't know if you're interested in football, but if you're at the bottom of anything... It must be really hard to keep going. You've worked so hard, you believe you've put things in place to achieve a certain perspective, to achieve a certain goal, and then at some stage, so many things have worked against you that you feel like you're at the bottom. This is true in so many areas of our lives. You work so hard to achieve the ultimate prize, to achieve whatever, whatever you think is right in front of you, and it seems so hard. It must be so hard for teams at the bottom of the AFL Premiership ladder to stay motivated. I wonder how difficult it is uh, for the teams in the top eight to stay motivated. I suspect it's not as difficult because if you're in the top eight, you know you're playing finals. The teams about 9, 10, 11 up at this year, they're still motivated because they're in with a mathematical chance. Media likes to put on it. The coaches like to say, yeah, we're a mathematical chance. Why do they say that? Because they want their players to stay motivated. We could still play finals. But at the end of every year, Um, every year uh, there is a review process, an examination of what we need to do to get better. The thing about the Gold Coast Suns is that they had millions and millions and millions of dollars thrown at them to uh, begin. What was that, six or seven years ago? How long ago did they begin? 
Uh, at about the same time, year or two difference between uh, Gold Coast Suns and Greater Western Giants, Greater Western Sydney. Um, and Greater Western Sydney have got this success measure, this striving. They haven't quite won the premiership yet, but they're further ahead than the Gold Coast Suns who had millions and millions of dollars thrown at them. Three years ago, the Richmond Tigers... <coughs> See, no one barracks the Richmond Tigers. Uh, three years ago, the Richmond Tigers were about to sack their coach. Until last year, something switched on for them because of a review process, because of an understanding that they had to make some changes in the pursuit of the ultimate prize. And last year, they won the premiership. They took out the grand prize. And this year, they're about two or three games ahead of the second-place team. That's how good Richmond painful as it is for me to say that's how good they are performing over the last couple of years but there's a challenge whether you're winning or losing when you're losing you run the risk of only seeing of what is right in front of you when you're losing all you think about is losing and the next day and the struggle to get up every week and to have to go out and play with the full expectation, if you're a Carlton supporter or Gold Coast Suns, that you're probably going to lose by at least 50 points. There's a greater challenge if you're winning. Because if you're winning, you can too easily take it for granted and assume that it will just always come easily. And it's necessary in the, in the pursuit of the ultimate prize to review, to refine, to tinker and adjust. And all this to say that the church is no football club, but we need to keep in mind the bigger picture. We need to keep in mind that we're pursuing something bigger than ourselves. See, the church is a place and a gathering of people who have been invited into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. But it's also the invitation to collectively participate in a bigger cause. And sometimes we become so stuck and so focused on the individual task and the individual cause that we lose sight of the bigger prize, the ultimate prize. That is to be made more like Jesus and to reveal more of the kingdom of God, establish the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. It's so easy to be stuck in our current circumstances that we lose sight. We need to celebrate what God has done in and through and amongst us, but there are greater things to come. There is more to be done. Can we all agree with that if you follow us of Jesus? So we're doing this in several ways as we step into this next season. And this is all leading somewhere, so bear with me. <clears throat> so there's a couple of ways that we're asking you to participate in this. So firstly, as Jared already pointed out, the Spiritual Gifts booklet, inviting you to review, to discern, to tinker, to adjust, to be in conversation. That's what that is. To review your place to review your relationship with God and with one another. Anyone who might say that I've got a deep and meaningful relationship with God, I don't need anybody else, is telling you a lie about their relationship with God. Scriptures clearly point out that to be in a relationship with God is to be in a relationship with one another. And so this is an opportunity to be a part of that tinkering process in ourselves, in me personally, so for you personally, and for us collectively. Over the next couple of months, uh, I've also put, uh, asked the elders and the church leadership uh, to conduct a review process for my ministry because I understand that it's necessary to review, to tinker and to adjust leadership. 
A football place, a football club understands that if you want to succeed, you need to adjust your leadership. Damien Hardwick understood this. Nathan Buckley understood this. Adam Simpson, all the leading coaches have understood this. Any coach that isn't being successful doesn't understand the need to adjust how they lead personally to chase after the ultimate success. And so some of our leadership and our ministry staff uh, will be going through a process uh, of reviewing uh, my role and how I function and how well that is. And also a number of people are also participating in that review process. But more significantly in all that is that we're asking you, as we did a number of weeks, to really be intentional about a call to prayer with two basic questions. What is, it that, what is God's desire for his people for his church? What is it that God is wanting for us next? What is he asking us to step into? That might be an individual response as much as it is a collective response. But we believe it's a great time and a great season to be asking and seeking that. What is it that God is building in us, amongst us and through us? Now this isn't to say that people aren't praying. I think sometimes when we ask you to call to prayer, we think, yes, I am praying. We know that you're praying, but what we want to say is we want to intentionally do this as a collective, as a body of Christ here in Horsham, the Horsham Church of Christ specifically. What is God's desire for his people and his church? We're grateful for the prayer that's taking place for an, an individual way, um, in life groups, but we do also want to ask us to be um, gathering in our prayer gatherings three times a week. And then we might be, have to place more if we have that many people, but uh, we have a Wednesday morning at 6.45, uh, that meets in our prayer room. I noticed the Thursday night, 5pm groups meeting out in the foyer there uh, for the last little while. And uh, We've got a prayer group that's happening at 8.45 on Sundays. Uh, so there's lots of opportunities to gather as a collective and to be seeking out the heart of the Father without any structure but just to come and gather as one people because we want to be aligned to the things that God is calling us to. Now the question in all this is what are we chasing after? What's our ultimate prize? Philippians chapter 3 uh, says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of the faith. That is a right relationship an overwhelming relationship, a dynamic relationship, if you like, that comes from God, not just because I do the right, not because I do the right thing, but because of who God is and because of who he has made me to be. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to take a hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. 
This is one of the greatest challenges that we have. Many of us who have grown up in the church or been a part of the church for a long period of time, we know there's a prize there. Maybe we've even experienced that. Maybe we've seen some great things happen in the church. Maybe we've been stuck and maybe we feel disheartened and discouraged by the church. But there's a greater prize that's meant to be called. We're calling us onwards. But it's difficult to look for the greater prize when we're always spending our time complaining about what has been or what we've missed out on. Paul reminds us, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a great idea for us to get a hold of. Even if you are a follower of Jesus, regardless of where you are on the faith journey, we cannot take a hold of that which God calls us into without first deciding what we do with all the stuff over here. And if we keep carrying all this stuff over here, then this celebration of communion that Tim led us in is really meaningless. So we began this series uh, with the idea that we're all God's masterpiece. We're made in his image and he knows us intimately and personally. And we've moved through this idea of uh, unpacking our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality and our experiences, all of which help shape uh, our encounter and the way in which God has made us to influence the world, uh, express his kingdom and become more like Jesus. So I was looking for a way in which can help us understand more of this uh, and understand what it looks like um, to live out of our shape. Because I think most of us, if we're followers of Jesus, understand that we have a kingdom purpose. Even if we're not followers of Jesus, what we do understand is actually there's got to be something more to this life. There's got to be something more that I'm called to, something more meaningful than just the run of the mill. I don't want to feel like I'm just going through the motions every day. Most days I can have a conversation with people, even those who aren't connected to church or faith, that would say, I I know there's got to be more. It's not just about paying bills and going through the motions. So I want to introduce you to to someone today. I want to introduce you to Phil. Apologies to Phil, um, because he'll probably get jokes about this the rest of his life. Um, So this is Phil the Bucket. Now, Phil the Bucket is a, a happy general guy. He's pretty content. He's pretty content with uh, his life. He, he knows there's things in his life that aren't great, but uh, he's, a, he's a pretty dynamic, energetic guy. Most people know Phil. Most people uh, appreciate Phil. But everyone loves Phil. Uh, but Phil's biggest struggle is he feels like he's just going through the motions. He's got the smile. He knows there's things he's part of but he's just going through the motions. So there's some things that Phil is involved in. Uh, He's a Jesus follower, but he wants to live out of something uh, richer and more meaningful. Yeah, that's great. Just that fantastic, guys. Well done. But he's longing to see the revelation of God's kingdom over his life. Phil wants to be uh, a Jesus follower. He believes he has been a follower of Jesus. He's been in the church for a long period of time. He's actually been involved. But he's also aware that in his life, there's a number of different things that he's been involved in so, um, or is, uh, are required of him. So he's got to get up every day and go to work. Um, so he, he goes to work and we all understand or work or you might want to call it school if you're uh, in that age group. He understands that so he does that and it's a, he, not a bad job. It's okay. Uh, does a few things for him. He's able to contribute in a way but you know, he's been doing it for a while so he's not sure. That's all right, just spread them all along there. 
But Phil's, you know, he's also married, and it's a pretty good marriage. Been married 25 years, um, pretty, pretty happy with his marriage, pretty happy with his wife, uh, great marriage. Uh, they've had some issues throughout 25 years, as most marriages do. But, you know, it can be tiring, it can be hard work, it can be demanding, mindful that he's got work as well. So, you know, sometimes these things can get in the way of each other. But not only that, Phil's got a few kids. Uh, kids don't care what age your kids are, they're, they're pretty full on, aren't they? You, you know, you can understand Phil's experience here, can't you? If you identify more with the female version of Phil, call her Philomena. Um, but <clears throat> got kids, kids are tiring. But alongside that, Phil's also got a couple of ageing parents. Uh, and for anyone who's experienced that, man, that's a whole lot of fun, I'm sure. I've had a couple of conversations with people who've understood that. Um, Phil's involved in some social networks, so he's got some great activity. He does enjoy a couple of hobbies. Uh, he's got uh, lots of activities uh, that he's involved with. Uh, he's involved in the church. Let's do this one. It's a bit different because the church is a little bit different, isn't it? It's a little bit unique. It's a bit strange. It's a little bit odd. A little bit weird. That's all I have to say about the church today. But Phil's also got the responsibility of money. So if you want to put some money, so, you know, he's, he's got to think about how he's going to pay the bills. He's going to think about how he's going to care for his family. He's going to think about uh, saving up for the future, some investment. Uh, how does he retire? What does it look like to retire? There's some security around the financial market, but there's not a lot of security, as many people have experienced before. A uh, couple of crashes, all things go pear-shaped. But um, uh, he volunteered, I mentioned Phil volunteers in a couple of organisations. He's got a couple of things, that he, he got a, a couple of really good friends in those organisations, he had really good, meaningful relationships, um, and, and really quite uh, powerful relationships. Now, you can have many more buckets, if you like, here. Um, if you talk about money, there's bills, there's investments, there's pocket money, there's all sorts of things that can come out of that. You know, it's, it's not a huge thing. Well, it is a huge thing, but he's doing okay. He's got not a lot of breathing space, but he's not going broke. There's a whole lot of expectations around money. Now, you can make these buckets any one of your things that might be in your life at the moment. The difficulty is, well, it's not so much the difficulty. It's just the reality Phil knows he's got to go to work every day. Now, if I don't say the same thing for the same bucket, please excuse me, you'll get the point, won't you? <laughs> Phil knows he's got to go to the work every day, so that takes a bit of time. That's really demanding. Doesn't leave a lot. He also knows when he goes to work, somehow he's got to transfer that energy that he did have for work next into his family. I shouldn't do this near electrical powerpoints either, really, but, you know. <clears throat> and then when he's got his family, he's also mindful that with family, there comes other pressures. That's, that can be fairly draining. That doesn't leave much there either. Family can be tiring and overwhelming. He's got to put a little, a little bit into his elderly parents and make sure they're being looked after. He's got to put a little bit into his kids, actually a whole lot into his kids, in the meanwhile, he's been asked to do a bit in the church and that's really exciting. He doesn't mind doing things in the church, but that's kind of demanding as well and overwhelming and all the time he's thinking about his money because he's got to provide for people and people want to give and there's money and then there's volunteering things um, and things just are draining, aren't they? 
And eventually, poor Phil doesn't feel quite so energetic (laughs) and feels a bit worn out and drained. And there's a struggle here, isn't there? Because we know there's some realities. We know there's things that we're passionate about. We know there's things we'd like to do. And in fact, we kind of all, many of us at different times, will go, but this is just the way that life is, isn't it? Have you ever said that? This is to say nothing about health. This is to say nothing about emergency circumstances. This is to say nothing about extra study that's required. This is to say, do you feel like Phil? See, we mostly love life, but we don't have the energy for everything. And at some point, we keep taking energy from one thing to put into the other thing until we can no longer do that one thing anymore. And then we can't do that one thing and then suddenly that kind of has a flow-on effect into other things. And so we drain a bit of there and we drain a bit into this until suddenly we've got no energy for that either. What is this all about if we're meant to be discovering our shape and our experiences and we're meant to be something about establishing the kingdom of God but I've got no energy? I don't know how many people you talk to and you say, how are you going? I'm tired. I don't know, they're, they're just they're tired because family demands a lot, work demands a lot, expectations of family demand a lot. And then, you know, we can love our church and we can love what it's meant to do, but somewhere along the lines, everything we gave to the church just drained us out too. Where are we meant to give most of our attention? What if I was to say to you that all of these buckets are expressions of God's kingdom? Every single one of these are expressions of God's kingdom. How do I know that? Because they're expressions of life. (laughs) They're the reality of life. They're gifts that have been given to us to manage, to steward, to look after. But unfortunately, at some point, these buckets became something they were never meant to be. They became our whole focus, this one thing. And we just keep moving energy from one thing to the next thing. And the very thing that was given to us to make life is the very thing that just drains us and wears us out. There's got to be another way to look at this, surely, don't you think? There's got to be another way where I'm not feeling like I'm just going through the motions. There's got to be another way where I'm actually adding to life and having life added to me. Isaiah chapter 40. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. This is going to look really weird, but you know, bear with me. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Who here grows tired and weary? Do you know why that is? Because you're not God. Just wanted to clarify that for you. 
uh, verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Who gets tired and weary? Some of you just flat out lying to me. (laughs) Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Friends, there is times and stages or expressions in our lives where we do get tired, where we do get worn out, and maybe we're feeling like that. And I, I can't help but wonder if it's because we forget to submit our lives, our bodies, our spirits, our minds to the very heart of the Father where we get worn out by the church because we get so caught up in the church we forget about the Father. Where we get worn out by everything that we're meant to be doing, all the expressions, all the expectations that we have and we lose sight of the one who wants to lift us up. Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, some of us know these words. We know them here. But we're not courageous enough to stop and come under the authority of Christ. Because this is actually an authority, an authority issue. This is actually an authority issue. Because what we tend to do is say, well, I can't do anything, so I'm going to pull out of stuff and I'm just going to recoil into my own little world. And that's not what God actually ever asks of us. What he says is, hey, come walk with me. See, I think the question is not when we get tired or if we get tired. The question is who or what will we submit to and have our attention when we do get tired, when we are weary. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he'll establish your plans. And again, I, for me, this has been a big verse for me over this, over this course of this year. I think it is really easy for us to go into prayer and saying, God, this is what I want to do. And then when everything lines up, well, we think God's been a part of it. And that might be the case, but I think it's also about saying, God, this is what I'm thinking about doing. However, not my will, your will be done. Do you understand the difference? Commit to the Lord whatever you do, whatever you want to do with your money, whatever you want to do in the life of the church, and maybe he'll say, actually, that's not what I want you to do at all. <laughs> maybe he will say, that's what I want you to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul writes uh, to the church and he says, our competence comes from God. Now, I'm doing this for you, the church, he says, because of what God has given me to do. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We might replace the law with expectations and buckets and requirements now. All the demands that we have. But we're of a new covenant, friends. Luke 16 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and all things will be added to you. Where'd you put Phil? All those things are expression of the kingdom, yeah? All those things come out of the kingdom and sometimes they just get a bit disconnected from the kingdom. You follow me? But if we put them back in the kingdom... Then the only other issue we've got is we've got to decide who sits in authority over the kingdom. And I suspect the reason I get so tired and worn out is because so often I come and sit on this chair. And I demand authority. But actually if I want the fullness of the kingdom... And if I want to live out of the light and the love of the kingdom, out of the purpose of the kingdom, with my money, with my marriage, with my kids, with my job, with those things that come up that are unexpected, even if Phil wants to experience the fullness of the kingdom, Phil has to get off the chair. And he has to put himself under the authority of the kingdom. So many of us are so worn out and so tired because we don't place ourselves under the overflow that God wants to pour out. You want to know your shape? Live under the kingdom. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, or Matthew chapter 6 says, you know, we spend a lot of time chasing after a lot of stuff. Trying to organise things, trying to correct things, trying to complain about things telling the world what they've got wrong, telling the church what they've got wrong. I'm paraphrasing a lot of Matthew chapter 6 and actually adding a lot to it in terms of our culture and what we do and what we complain about. School sucks. It's hard to find a job. Friends suck. Friends are great. Family's demanding. Family's great. Whatever. And Jesus says, but seek first. The kingdom of God. And all these things, all these things will be added to you. All these things are aligned. All these things can be expressed out of the kingdom of God and out of the heart and the overflow. I'm switching the tap off not just to stop the, king, not to stop the kingdom, but I'm mindful of water use. Listen, there's a lot of things that we have to do. Yeah? We can all agree with me there. But they're only a small proportion of the kingdom expression that God might be preparing for you. The reality is your time and your purpose and your task might be at the moment to go to school. Your time and your purpose and your expression of the kingdom at the moment might be in your marriage to fight for it, to stand for it, to bless it, to, to love your spouse, to bless your kids. But that's, that's not the limits of God's kingdom. That's just preparation for what God might have in store for you. You can't even see the rest of God's kingdom, can you? But in your marriage, and if you do that well, and if you do your finances well, and if you bless others, and if you're serving well, and if you're coming into work with, a, with an attitude of expressing God's kingdom, I reckon that would revolutionise our community. 
into those difficult relationships, if you saw that as an opportunity to express God's kingdom out of the overflow of God pouring into you because you were willing to submit to his authority, I reckon that could transform our community. Why? Because I reckon it would start with transforming me. And then when we do those things well, God actually trusts us with bigger things and more significant things, if you like. You could be the person that comes up with a solution that eradicates poverty. Sitting in this room. You could be the person that changes the notion of homelessness. Sitting in this room. You could be the person that changes our welfare system sitting in this room. I kind of thought that was pretty exciting when I thought about that. You could be the person that changes the face of our political landscape. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? You could be the person that revolutionises our school systems. You could be the person that changes how we view refugees and how we integrate and how we open and welcome people sitting in this room but we have to choose we have to choose who's going to sit in this chair we have to choose whose kingdom we're going to be a part of expressing But at some point, I really believe that God was saying, yeah, there's kingdom purpose and there's greater things that are happening. There's no doubt about that. But we have to declare what we will believe and how we live under that authority and who's going to be in charge.